Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Second service here in East New York, and we count it an honor that you have decided to be with us today. Uh, let me tell you something. Um, God is doing something special in this area of Brooklyn, and uh, you have a very big part to play in it. And so I want to say thank you for your faith and your support. Many of you have uh, given towards us being here, and I do appreciate that. Uh, just for those who don't know, because uh, many, many of you are guests, and we appreciate that you're here, uh, we started in Canarsie, Brooklyn, and we started about nine years ago, not quite nine years ago, but almost nine years, and uh, we were in Canarsie for a few years, and then we actually went just a little outside of Canarsie on Remsen, and we came back to Canarsie, uh, and all those times that we moved, we were in locations that weren't exclusively ours. Uh, many of you know the story, so don't be bored as I say this. I just want to make sure that people are aware of our history. Uh, we were sharing a church building for um, quite some time. And, you know, with that comes some sacrifice. And uh, this is our very first place where we have for ourselves. And we're very, very excited about that. And so um, this is a very special moment for us. Um, in fact, before I continue, I just realized that I have to invite our our toddlers, let me, let me be very specific to what we're doing here. We're receiving toddlers now from the ages of two and four. So please, if you are a toddler between the ages of two and four, we want to welcome you and we want the parents to sign them in. We would need you to do that. Please help us do that. That'll give us an opportunity to really properly care for your children. So if you could, you can stand and you can walk to the back, right to my left. And we have a ministry team that is prepared to minister to your toddlers from ages two to four. So if you, if you would like to do that, they're ready to serve you that way. Praise God. Yes. No toddlers today? I know we have some toddlers, two to four. I'll probably hear them when I'm preaching. That's when I'm going to start to hear them. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this is our second service here. We're very excited. Uh, I mentioned this last Sunday. Let me just say it again. Uh, we have a major event coming up August 31st. August 31st is our Life Community Event Day, where we're going to be hitting this community in a very big, big way, particularly the, the, the housing complex that's right across the street from us. That's called Arlington Village. And they've given us an opportunity to share the love of God with their community. So we're going to have a barbecue. Anybody like barbecue? All right, we're going to have a bouncy house. We're going to have face painting. We're going to have activities for everyone. And we really want to just engage everyone to be a part of that. So please pull out your phones. If you put your calendar on your phone, August 31st, we want you to be a part of this major event. It's going to be special. It's going to be our big launch. We haven't really, uh, we, we haven't really let the community know that we're here yet. So this will be the first day that we actually do that. And we're going to do it in a very big way. And we have some other ways that we're going to be hitting the streets and just letting people know that the love of God is here. So how many people love people? All right. And you're excited about sharing that love with people? <laughs> All right. So you're going to have an opportunity to do that here. At Life Church, we really believe that God is, it's all about people when you think about it. I mean, if it's not about people, then we're wasting our time. 
right? We want to minister to people. We want people to be ministered to in a very special way. And so we're excited to do that. So we want your faith involved in that. Some of you have asked, how can I get involved? Let me tell you something. There's going to be plenty of ways, but the main way you can get involved is by your faith, by your giving, by your involvement and everything that we're doing. Um, the ministries that we have available, we need help with that. So if you are interested in joining the Children's Church, which is coming back in the fall. Anybody excited about the Children's Church? Yeah. If you want to be a part of that, we need ushers. If you're in worship, if you, if you want to uh, help lead worship, if you want to help administratively, uh, there's a way to do that. You go to our site, which is called life, nylifechurch.com slash connect, and it's there that you can sign up and let us know how you want to be a part of our church. We'll put that on the screen for you so you can see it right now. If you want to be a part of anything that we're doing, just go to that site, and that'll give you an opportunity to connect with us. And so we'll leave that off for you for a little bit. But I want to just share with you something that the Lord put in my heart some time ago. It's kind of like a funny story. Um, but I believe that I should have been a little taller as a person. No, I really do. I, I think I stunted my growth. And I'll explain why. Um, when I was in high school, it took me a while to realize this, but I was wearing, uh, I was wearing small shoes for a very long time. I was wearing, I was wearing size, and not that I was wearing the same shoes. I would just, I would buy new shoes, but I'd buy the same size, right? I was, I was wearing shoes that were about seven and a half uh, inches, seven, seven, seven and a half. That was my size, and year after year, I'd buy the same size, and I didn't realize that my feet were being, you know, squished and. It was hurting. I just, I just thought that this is the size that I should be wearing. I don't know why, but that's what I thought. Until one day I went to a store and they didn't have my size. They didn't have seven and a half. They had, I think, eight. And they said, I'm sorry, we don't have seven and a half, but we do have size eight. So I said, all right, I guess I could try size eight. And I tried size eight and lo and behold, what do you think happened? It fit. The next time I went to buy shoes, I said, let me try eight and a half, right? And I tried an eight and a half and what happened? It fit. And I started realizing that from then on, my, shoe, my feet started to grow because I created room for it to grow. Every time I would wear a shoe size a little bigger than what I would normally wear, eventually my foot came into that size. And I believe that had I was, had I would, you know, had I was wearing like the correct size shoe for however long I was wearing small shoes, I probably would have been a little taller. I probably would have been six feet tall or something. I don't know. No, probably not six feet. But hey, I'm tall now, right? I'm looking down on you guys. So hey, no. <laughs> I think of an Asian culture that you'll see in, in ancient customs where they wrap the, 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 the Chinese women's feet really, really tight. You familiar with that, cult, that custom? And they would tighten their feet to the point where their feet would be like literally just inches long and they would do it for beauty purposes. They would do it for vain purposes. And there's a danger in that because when your feet is not growing, especially as they would wrap it, it would create infection. It would create brittle bones and many times their bones would break. Many times they would have poor balance and they would fall. And as they fell, they would break something, break a hip simply because their feet weren't growing. 
Their feet weren't growing. Their feet weren't growing. It was wrapped. It was wrapped too tight. It was creating infection, and it was causing a lot of problems. And so eventually they banned the practice. And then I thought about all of these things. The Lord really put in my heart. He says, such is the, such is the case for many of my people. Their feet aren't growing. Their feet are wrapped tight, and they're not giving themselves room to grow. And I want to do something about that. God wants you to fill big shoes. And I believe big shoes represents things that he wants you to go into where you may feel are a little bit overwhelming for you. But if you were to jump into it, you will grow into it. There is a danger in staying small. There is a danger in staying comfortable. There is a danger in staying with what you are used to. It will cause infection. It will cause you to stop growing. It will stunt your growth. And today, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to you that he wants you to fill big shoes. Big shoes. There are big shoes for you to fill. Now, when I put my feet into that eight-inch that eight shoe, at first, it was roomier. Roomier than what I was accustomed to because, again, I was accustomed to seven and a half. But lo and behold, as I mentioned, that room eventually went away because my feet began to grow. And the reasons why people don't grow is because they're not challenging themselves to grow. They're staying in a tight environment. They're staying wrapped up. They're staying secure. And that has to change. You know, when a baby is in the womb, a baby is nice and tight and wrapped, real comfortable in that womb. And then when that baby is born, the baby wants to be swaddled, right? Because it reminds the child of what it felt like in the womb. But after a while, that swallowing doesn't work. You'll see a lot about babies that you can learn as an adult. You'll see that if you try to swaddle, say, a three-month-old, no, they, they don't, they don't want to be swaddled anymore because there's something in them that tells them, I'm not in the womb anymore. I want more space. What happens is we get to a point in an adult life where that more space becomes scary. And then we retreat back to the womb. We retreat back to what's comfortable. We go back to what we're used to, what's familiar. And God is saying to you today, no, no, you're, you're no longer in the womb. You don't need to be swaddled. You don't need to be kept tight. I want you to fill big shoes. I want you to know what it feels like to put yourself in an environment where there is space, where there is a lot of room, and you don't know what to do with yourself. It's in that space that I can do something major with you. There was one individual in the Bible named Joshua who had to fill big shoes. Whose big shoes he had to fill? Let me hear it loud. Moses. Moses. Think about that. I want you to put yourself in Joshua's position. Joshua was the second in command. He was Moses' right-hand man, if you will. Moses, Joshua saw all the signs and wonders that Moses did. Joshua was there to see Moses confront Pharaoh. Joshua was there to see Moses call plagues down from heaven. Joshua saw all of that. He saw Moses extend the staff and the Red Sea split. He saw all of that, but he did none of that. 
And then all of a sudden, Moses dies, and God says, listen, Moses is dead. You're the next one in charge. I want you to think about how you would respond to that. How would you feel in that moment where God is saying, you're the next Moses? You're the person that's going to lead the next generation. You're the person that's going to lead these one million, two million people. You're the person that's going to divide the land that I'm giving you amongst all these tribes. You're the person, Josh. Oh, man. Big shoes. But how did he do it? I want to share a few things about Joshua's life to show you how he did it or what instruction God gave him. And if you would do the same thing, you will be able to fill big shoes. Somebody say, I'm filling big shoes. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you have big shoes to fill. You got to get comfortable with more room. Get comfortable with more room because you have big shoes to fill. Anybody excited about filling big shoes? When you think about that, because not everybody is. But I believe I'm speaking to a bunch of people who are excited. Joshua 1, look at 2 to 3. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am given to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. I love that. Look at verse 7 to 9. Only be strong. Only be what? Only be what? And very courageous. Be a courageous person. Why should you be courageous? Whenever, let me tell you something. Whenever God tells you, well, let me say it this way. Let's just say you walked in the house. Say I lived with you and you walked in. I said, hey, don't be afraid. What's the next thing you're going to think? <laughs> There's something I got to be afraid of, right? Hey, 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 calm down. It's not, it's, not, it's not that bad. Let me just tell you something. Now what do you think? It's bad. So every time God tells you, don't be afraid, what is he telling you? There is going to be something that you will encounter that will make you afraid. There is something that you're going to face that's going to threaten your peace. That's why he's telling you don't be afraid. He's trying to prepare you for something that if you are not prepared for will inundate you overwhelm you, cause you to feel like you can't succeed. This is why he tells you, before I bring you into this new space, more space, big shoes, I want you to first know, be courageous. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the, from the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You shall do what? Meditate. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Is God against success? Is God against you being prosperous? He's not. He's giving you the blueprint. He says, I know these are big shoes for you to fill. This is what I want you to do. Medi meditate on what I said. Give yourself over to it day and night. And if you do, you are going to have good success. You are going to prosper. Who wants to prosper today? Who wants to be successful today? This is what you do. You meditate on the promises of God. So what are the big shoes you need to fill? 
I remember when I was getting married. Those are big shoes. I was like, Lord, can I handle being a husband? Can I handle leading a home? Can I handle being one who can lead my home after the Lord? I had a good example, but still, when you're in that situation, you may not feel like you're able to handle it. What did I do? What are the things that I do to help me prepare for that? I began to meditate in the word as to what it means to be a good husband, what it means to be a good father, what it means to be a good leader. I began to let those things be my meditation day and night. And as I did, what happened? My heart began to expand. I began to grow into the new territory that God gave me and allowed me to grow as a man, as a husband, as a father. Why? I began to let his word be my meditation. Yeah. Let me explain to you what I mean. Because I think when I say that, you may think, oh, okay, you just read a scripture. You know, you look on version, You post it on Facebook. Praise the Lord. I did what I needed to do. I meditate on the word. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're literally reciting a verse, something that the Lord has put in your heart all throughout the day. I would mutter a scripture throughout the day. Mutter it, mutter it to myself, talk to myself. I would let that word build in me. And as I did, revelation began to grow. God began to expand my heart. I began to feel God's voice echo in my spirit. What was happening in that moment? I was growing, I was expanding. What I thought was too much, no longer felt like too much. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Meditation expands you. It expands your understanding. It expands what you can receive. It expands your strength because you become one with God's word. And his word is an expansive force. I want you to think about this. The, the, the scientists of our day have concluded that the universe is ever expanding. Ever expanding. They constantly see that there's an ever expansion of the universe. And they can't trace its origin, so they come down to the Big Bang. They don't know how it started, but something happened. And once that happened, it has been constantly expanding. The Bible says that God has stretched the heavens. That's what it is. God spoke a word. Think about what I'm saying to you. God spoke a word. Let there be light. And there has been an ever expansion of the universe. They say, scientists say, that if you break down a particle, take, if I take this, this little wood desk here, if I would, and chopped it up and I broke it down to its finest particles, to its finest atoms, to its finest neutrons, if, if I just broke it, to, you would be left with what is called sound waves. Sound waves is the smallest particle that they can come to. Some of you don't get what I'm saying, but I want you to see what I'm saying. Everything that you see is held up by the word. Everything reverberates by God's word. Everything you see here is held by sound, sound waves. So what happens when you put the word of God inside of you? It creates waves. It creates something. That expanding force of the word of God begins to expand your own heart. You begin to see life in a bigger way. This is why he said, Josh, listen, I know it's tough. Moses is gone. You got this awesome responsibility to lead the nation of Israel out of this place, out of the wilderness, into the land that I've promised. I know. 
You got big shoes to fill. How are you going to do it? Put the word of God in you. Meditate in it day and night. What's going to happen? All of a sudden, the challenges are going to shrink in your, in, your, in your perspective because you're going to see them for what they are. Nothing compared to the grace of God. This is what it means to meditate in the word. It expands what you can receive from God. The more I'm thinking about God's word, I begin to think of the awesome wonder about his creation. I begin to think about how he came up with this universe that I, that I can only understand in a finite measure. What happens when I begin to put the word in me? I begin to get excited to know there is nothing I can't do. You mean the living God who created everything that is alive lives in me? There is no limit that I have. See, that comes through meditation. It doesn't come through preaching, my friend. You can come to church every single day, hear a man preach to you, hear a woman preach to you. That won't change anything. You know when it changes? When you hear what you heard and you allow it to be your meditation, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit gets into it and it begins to expand what you understand and it begins to show you how it relates to your own life. Revelation expands what you can receive. I want to fill big shoes. Put the word of God in you. Meditate. Be disciplined about it. Turn off whatever you have to turn off. Sit down. Let the word be constantly playing in your heart, playing in your mind. All of a sudden, there's going to be a faith that expands inside of you. We're my meditators of the word. Come on. Are you, are you going to be a meditator of the word of God? For then you will make your way prosperous. Does God want you to be prosperous? Then you will have good success. Does he want you to have good success? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be what? Afraid. Again, I said it before. I'll say it again. Whenever God says don't be afraid, he's giving you a signal. Something is coming that's going to try to make you afraid. So all this is wonderful. Expansion and sound waves and yes, yes, preach it. But I want you to know something. Something's going to come that's going to try to make you afraid. Why should you not be afraid? I love this. He says, don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So as you meditate in the word, I got big shoes to fill. I have an awesome responsibility. I have new things coming to me. I have God, I, I feel God pulling me to something new, something bigger, something that's going to take me out of my comfort zone. Lord, what I got, how, how do I do this? Understand that I am with you. And that's what the meditation of the word does. It puts that in reality in your heart that God is with me. Mm. I want you to write this down because this, this will bless you. The presence of God doesn't eliminate the presence of fear. It nullifies it. When you think about that, the presence of God doesn't eliminate the presence of fear. It nullifies it. And so there will be things that you will face that will try to make you afraid. You better believe it. Oh, I'm excited. The Lord's going to prosper me. You lose your job. And isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it always the case that as soon as you feel encouraged to move forward, you receive a blow? 
Yes, Lord, I feel excited. You're going to do this. And then you get bad news. Great. You know that you're on course. This is where he says, don't be afraid. Why? I am with you wherever you go. The presence of God doesn't eliminate the presence of fear. It it nullifies it. It renders it inoperable, ineffective. It renders it helpless. It renders it weak in your presence. That's what the presence of God does. You got big shoes to fill. Will you fill them? We have big shoes to fill as a church, and we're going to fill them. I'm going to challenge more, more. I'm going to challenge a lot of you. I'm telling you, we're, 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 we're going to take it a little, a little old school, not too old school, a little old school. We're going to hit the streets. See, only those who say who are excited about that. That's cool. That's how I started in my walk with God. Man, I, I would go. I'm from Queens, so I, I would go on Jamaica Avenue. Jamaica Avenue. Anybody know Jamaica Avenue? So Jamaica Avenue is like the Fulton Avenue, right, of Brooklyn? Okay. So, or Fulton Street, right? Is it Fulton Street? Okay, Fulton Street. I'm still learning. (laughs) And I remember on the street, debating, witnessing, preaching, going in front of people who would, you know, preach different things. You know, I remember the Hebrew Hebrew Israelites, you know? Yeah, I'd I'd be that one. Nah, that's not true. Because the word of God says this, you know? And I, I just remember going in neighborhoods, going in weird places, preaching the gospel, excited about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I saw many people won to the Lord. I've seen people healed. I've seen people minister to in a very powerful way. I'd be lying to tell you that I never was afraid when I did it. I remember the Lord told me to do something weird. I, I, the Lord told me to do something I said I'd never do. I said, man, I'm going to give you a secret. Don't ever say you never do something because that would be the thing. That guy was like, oh, really? Oh, really? Okay. I said, I would never be, you know, when, you, when you're really serious, you got to like, you know, arch the neck a little bit. I would never preach on the trains. I'm not going to be that kind of person. You said it too. Don't, don't front. I ain't, no, nope, that's not me. That's not my calling. That's not what I do. Okay. One day, the Lord said, oh, I, wanna, I want you to do something. I want, and I'm going to give you wisdom on doing it. I want you to actually preach on the train. Yeah, I want, I want you to go on the J train. And I want you to go up and down on the, I was like, you know, that same person. I would never, yep, you're doing it. And Lord would give me wisdom. I said, okay, I'm not going to do it like how I've, you know, seen it done. You know, the crazy people, you know what I'm saying? People, they're like, oh, God, just shut up, please. You know, there's some people who just, they, they, like, oh, you're a Christian. You're like, oh, would you just keep quiet? You're not, you're not reaching anybody. You know, I, I, I'd be low-key judging people, I just, just like you. I know. Don't, don't look at me like that. I know you've been judging people. you Christian, but you're like, man, would you just shut up? But the Lord gave me wisdom. He says, you know what? People need wisdom, and they're suffering, and they're suffering going to work. And they don't want to go to work. So I'm going to give you words to share with people that's going to encourage them. And the Lord would give me a word. And I would start off by saying, good morning, everybody. And I would start off with a, I would start off with a, a, a provocative question, simple question. But I would say, do you hate your job? Everybody would put their head up. <laughs> that's exactly how I would start. Do you hate your job? Do you hate where you're going right now? My God, 
I, I never thought about that because I only saw the, the woman that was yelling to the top of her lungs, you know, Jesus is coming. I said, I can't be that. God says, listen, I'm going to do something different with you. You're going to give people wisdom. Do you hate where you're going right now? Would you like to be going someplace different? And I'd, be sh- and I'd share them. This is, I want to give you three keys on how to have an amazing work day today. I caught the attention of many people. Many people got saved. I remember there was one person. She was like, oh, do you accept people of, you know, um, you know people who, I, she was kind of embarrassed to say, but, you know, she, I guess she was just, she wasn't sure of where her sexuality was. She says, do you? I said, listen, we accept everybody. Just come. We got a good word for you. Many people would come to me. People want to give me money. I'm like, no, I'm not here for that. The same person says, I would never do this. God was like, yep, you're doing it. And I'm going to usually win people to the Lord. And many people got saved. People came to the church through that. So what I learned is sometimes God will put you in a position that's uncomfortable, but it will expand you. And you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable if you're uncomfortable being, if you, if you get comfortable being uncomfortable, man, God can do so many great things with you. The people that God uses in a great way are people who are comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm speaking that over you. You're going to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Some of you need to be comfortable being alone for a season. You're not comfortable being, that's too much room for you. God's like, listen, I know it's out of room. You're used to someone playing you close and being close to you. And have, No, I want room for you to grow. Maybe you haven't grown because you've been too tightly wrapped with the wrong people. You need some room in this season. I want to expand you in this season. I want to broaden you in this season. This is what I have for you. You have big shoes to fill. And you're going to fill them in this season in the name of the Lord. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I want you to think about this. They're used to Jesus being with them all the time. Jesus is now saying, guys, it's been real. I'm out. (laughs) I fulfilled my purpose. I fulfilled my call. I died for humanity. Now it's time for me to ascend and sit at the right hand of the Father. It's been real. I'm not leaving you by yourself, though, but I'm going. In other words, he was saying, you got some big shoes to fill. You got some things to do. I'm leaving. Now, I'm with you, but I'm still leaving. In other words, you can't physically hold me, see me anymore. The relationship will change a little bit. But that's cool because this is an opportunity for you to expand. I love that. And he said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. I am with you always. He is, he is with you when? Always. He is with you when? Always. Again, the presence of God doesn't eliminate the presence of fear. It nullifies it. Why was he saying, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age? Because Jesus knew that, yes, you're going to face persecution. People are going to want to throw you in jail. People are going to curse at you, mock you. People will reject you. This will happen. Be be clear about it. Now, we thank God in America in this time. We don't live in a persecuted, you know, environment. 
So you, we have tremendous freedoms. But I want you to know something. This Bible is not a Western book. People can read what I just read and hear something completely different than what you just heard. I can go to places in Sudan and read that, and they will rejoice at another level because they understand what it means where Jesus is saying, I'm with you. They need to know that. Like we, and it doesn't nullify our experience. I'm not making you feel bad about that. But I want you to understand, we read that and we say, yes, you're with me in this job interview. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to be able to answer the questions right and you're going to be favored. That's wonderful. That's not bad. Don't, don't, but I want you to understand something. When Jesus was saying this, he wasn't talking about a job interview. He was talking about, listen, you're going to face situations that are going to be dangerous for your well-being. And in that moment, I want you to know I am with you. Now, if I'm with you in that moment, every other moment, I'm with you as well. For I'm with you always. Somebody say always. always. Even to the end of the age, I'm always with you. So fear, the presence of fear will be there, but my presence will nullify it. In the name of Jesus. Is this good news to you? Yes. You have big shoes to fill and you will fill it in Jesus' name. Oh, let me move on. I have another point, but let me, let's, let, me, let me go to number two. How? What helps you fill big shoes? How can you fill big shoes? One, I said the presence of God. Two, God's wisdom. God's wisdom. One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Solomon. When I first started as a, a new believer, the, the book that I, I just ate up so much was the book of Proverbs. I love that book. Because I'll be honest with you, I made a lot of stupid mistakes. A lot of, and I got to a point, you ever get to a point in your life, you're like, dang, God, I need some wisdom. Like, I'm just like messing up. I'm doing some, I'm making bad decisions. I recognize that in my life. Like, geez, I could be doing life at a different level here. I need, ever come to a point where you're like, I need wisdom. I came to that point in my life. I made some dumb, dumb, dumb decisions. And I, I just felt like, man, what, what can I do? And the Lord led me. He says, I want you to dedicate a season to learning about the wisdom of my word. Start with the book of Proverbs. Learn about just the sayings of wisdom. Learn how to talk to people. Learn how to deal with people in social settings. Learn how to, how to allay an issue that can get out of hand. Learn how to handle yourself when you are not in a comfortable environment. The book of Proverbs will give you wisdom for that. I didn't know any of those things. Learn how to handle your money. Jesus. Yeah, Proverbs will teach you that. Learn how to budget. Learn, learn, learn how not to get into debt. I didn't know those things. And I cried out, Lord, I need wisdom. Anybody cried, cried out for wisdom before? If you cry out for wisdom, you'll laugh in prosperity. You will. You will. And so Solomon was my favorite character because Solomon was in that same place. He had big shoes to fill. Whose shoes did he have to fill? No, not Moses. No, that was Joshua. David. All right, here are my Bible scholars. David was Solomon's father. David was going to... Go off the scene. Solomon was the next king in line. Solomon cried. He says, how can I do this? How, how can I lead the people? 
How, how can I be responsible for an entire kingdom? How can I do this? And he cried out for wisdom. And the Bible says that God answered his cry and gave him wisdom. And this is what Solomon writes. And I want you to think about this. Proverbs chapter 2, 3 to 5. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. This is where I think we don't do. We don't cry out for discernment. We cry out for bailouts. Get me out of this. God will get you out of it. He will. God is merciful. Let me pray those prayers before. Lord, get me out of this, please. If you get me out of this, I promise. That's cool. God is gracious and he'll get you out of it. But he wants another kind of cry. Lord, bring me to a place where I don't get myself into this anymore. Bring me to a place of wisdom where I don't make the same mistake anymore. God is gracious. He'll get you out of it. I, I cried that, Lord. Jesus, if you would get me out of this, I promise. And he did it. My cry needed to change because my circumstances wasn't changing. God would get me out of it, but I'd get myself back into it. God, if you would get me out of it, okay, I'm God, I don't change, so I'll get you out of it. But you don't change, so you're going to keep getting into it. I'm going to change. I, no, I mean, God, God is like, listen, I'm who I am. I'm not going to change. I'm gracious. I'll always be gracious. But until you change, you're still going to need the same type of grace. I, I always need grace. We all need grace. But I don't want grace for the same thing every single time. I want a new kind of, Lord, give me grace to handle like five million. I need grace for that. Right? I need grace for different things. I don't want to have the same problems. Are you hear what I'm saying? So God was like, look, I'm gracious. I don't change. You call for me. I will help you all the time. That's non-negotiable. But if you don't change, you will need my, the same kind of help every single time. In other words, you're going to be in the same situation. So what needs to be your call? What needs to be your cry? You need to start to cry out for wisdom. Lord, give me discernment. Help me to understand life better. Help me to understand my ways. Help me to understand my emotions. Give me wisdom to deal with circumstances that are, that are painful to deal with. I'm crying out for discernment. I'm crying out for understanding. Let that be your cry. This is the promise. He says, yes, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver. Oh, I love that. In other words, think of money. You know how you pursue money? You work for money? You go, you go to work for money? You go to school for money? You do all the things that you need to do for, for money? Well, if you did the same thing for wisdom, for discernment, for understanding, then you will understand the fear of God or the Lord and find the knowledge of God. In other words, you're going to find something much more fulfilling much more beneficial, much more helpful to you when you cry out for wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And so if you have big shoes to fill, no problem. Let the wisdom cry come out of you, and God will download his grace and help you fill those, 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 those new places that he's sending you. There's new places for you in the name of the Lord. This is a new place for us as a church. You better believe I'm constantly asking God for wisdom. Lord, what's the wisdom for this city or this neighborhood? What's the wisdom for this area? What's the wisdom? Lord, I need to know. 
I need to understand the people you've called us to reach. Lord, download your thoughts into my heart. That's my prayer. That's what I'm praying. How about you? I want you to pray the same prayer. God brings you into a new position, a new job, a new opportunity. Lord, give me the wisdom I need. Give me the discernment I need. Lord, you're calling me into the ministry in some way. Lord, what is the wisdom I need? What is the understanding I need? If that is your cry, if that is your cry, you will fill big shoes. Glory to God. Can I give you one more? It's his blessing you. The Holy Spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. Mm, the Holy Spirit must be your, your best friend. As you, as you cry, the second thing you need to do is to listen. And who you're listening to? You're listening to the Holy Spirit. I want to be very clear. The Holy Spirit is not an it. You know how we like to say it. You know, it told me something no, the Holy Spirit, he is a person. Amen. He's a person. He is God. Praise God. And he wants to speak to you. Notice what Jesus said in John 16, verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. Oh, think about this. This is during the Last Supper. There's this the scene where Jesus is prepping his disciples. Like, listen, I'm going. I'm not going to be here for a long time. And he's giving them bad and sad news. He's telling them, I'm leaving. I'm leaving you. But he says this, it's to your advantage that I go away. This is going to benefit you. Imagine that. Jesus telling you, me leaving is to help you. Me leaving is to benefit you. It's to, it's to put you in an advantageous position. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send them to you. And this is why it's to your advantage. Because Jesus at that time can only be one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit now lives in you. The same Spirit of Christ is in you. This is why you are at the advantage. That means, let me be very clear, you are more advantaged with the Holy Spirit in you than you would be if Jesus was with you physically and you didn't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's what he was saying. If the Holy Spirit is not in you and Jesus is there, it is better for you to have the Holy Spirit in you and he not be there. Because everywhere you go, he is there. If the Holy Spirit is not in you, that means you have to be always in physical proximity to Jesus in order to receive from him. That's why he was saying, it's to your advantage that I go. I'm, 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 I'm creating more space for you, more room for you. I know you're used to holding on to me, being in the same boat, being in the same place. But when I go, something better will happen. The Holy Spirit will not just be upon you, he will be in you, and wherever you go, he will be. He will not speak on his own authority, he will speak whatever he hears. He is the Spirit of Christ who is in you. You can fill big shoes because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So this is what I want you to do to engage the Holy Spirit, to engage the presence of God. You need to say things like this, Lord, you are in me, I can hear you. Can we all say that together? Lord, you are in me, I can hear you. Yeah, sometimes you probably said, I can't hear God. No, 
kill those words. Lord, you are in me. Say that one more time. Lord, you are in me. I can hear you. Speak, Lord. Oh, that's what you need to do. You wake up in the morning. Lord, you are in me. I can hear you. Speak. You don't know what to do. A situation you need to figure out. Lord, you are in me. <laughs> I can hear you. Speak. Let that be your practice. What's going to end up happening? You're going to start to, oh, I just, I just felt the Lord just move something in me. I, I just feel the Lord is saying something. I feel that I feel. Why? The Lord is in you. You can hear him. Speak, Lord. Isn't that good news? You can fill big shoes because you have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives inside of you will help you. He will cause you to fill big shoes. And so as I close, I want to close right here. I want to give everyone here an opportunity to have the Holy Spirit in them. So what I'm saying very clearly is you need to first ask him to come into your heart. I want to be very clear here. I'm not asking you if you've ever prayed before, if you've been to church before, if you believe in God before. No, I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you this. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you said, this day I am giving you my life? That's a whole different ballgame. I'm not talking about if you believe in God. I'm not talking about if you've ever prayed before. I'm not talking about if you've ever read the Bible before. That means nothing if you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you have not given your life to him. So that's what I'm asking you. If you have not submitted your life to him, now is your opportunity to do so. Well, how do I do that, Pastor? Very simply. You say, Lord, come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. I believe in you. I give you my life. You do it with words. You do it with faith. And if you were to do that, the Holy Spirit will enter inside of you. He will change you. He'll make you a completely different person. So with your head bowed, would you pray this prayer with me? If you've never prayed this prayer, the Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you. You're going to receive Jesus today. And he's going to be inside of you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to lead you into the ways that you should go. You're giving your life to Jesus right now. Right now, you're renouncing your, your old life, and you're saying, Lord, I want a new life in Jesus. So just think about what I'm leading you here because I want you to pray this only if you mean this, only if you want this. So right where you're seated, would you say this? Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive your son as my savior. Come into my life. Make me your own. I repent of my sin and I ask you to change me, wash me, receive me as your own in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that for the very first time and you meant it, good news. You are no longer the same. Come on, we can clap for that. That's amazing. You are no longer the same. And you might even feel different right now. Maybe you sense the Lord is doing something in you. You sense his presence. That's a good thing. The Lord is doing something inside of you. He's changed you. He's, he's, he's washed you. He's made you a new person. As simple as that. You may say, oh, don't I have to do anything harder? Don't, don't I have to, like, you know, be good and work on this and change that? No. Jesus did all the hard work. He took on your sin. You just have to receive him. And you did. And the Lord has changed you. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.ny.com. 
lifechurch.com.